the presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. Twitter is like the match.com for educators. <laughs> Welcome to On Education, part of the Education Podcast Network. I am Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will debate whether we should be seeking corporate sponsorship for our classrooms, discuss the battle between Gibbonkit and Quizlet, and why we should ban the red pen. Our guest this week is educator and author Adam Welcome. So are you in any... Um hockey pools you wouldn't be in any hockey pools are you in any football is, pools is soccer a, pools is a hockey pool like fantasy hockey yeah 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 okay okay i i played a lot of fantasy football and basketball and baseball actually uh in back in the days this is the first year i'm not playing fantasy football actually and it was just because in the previous years i wasn't giving it my all <laughs> i wasn't right. giving it the time commitment that's necessary to be able to go ahead and do that uh, I have a friend that we did it for probably 20 some years that we were doing mm. it. So, so you have a hockey pool draft. Do you guys do it live? Yeah. 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 So cool. we've done it in person. It's, it's, to be honest, it's the best thing about the hockey pool is the draft. Um, I instantly feel crummy about my team and about my chances. Okay. So, I mean, going to the actual pool in the, the draft night is significantly the best moment in the whole thing. So the draft uh, what's, is the what's, best. Yes. Hmm? The draft yeah. is the best is the best moment. Yeah, 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 totally. But what makes it even worse at least last night was that um like I I quit drinking. So, <laughs> like I <laughs> like I couldn't even have a beer at the pool draft anymore and it's like uh, this is less fun now. Oh, so, <laughs> so that was, took some of the fun was, out of it. It was like I, I, I'm not drinking, and my team sucks. So it's really all the bad things, <laughs> right? <laughs> I do know what you mean as far as about the drafting. Um, that's actually why I, I played a lot of sports games growing up, and mm -hmm. now I still play some of them, but not as much as I did. So I played Madden, um, and of course, I played FIFA a lot. And actually, one of the best parts was was what you're talking about is the draft, like to sure. throw all the players in a pool and then draft back a team so you can basically create a team from scratch, that kind of stuff. Those are fun things uh, that we used to do as far as uh, those types of things. And then fantasy football and baseball and hockey, obviously, here yeah. is the epitome of that, where you get to pick the best players and make your own team. So transitioning from pretending to do sports to actually doing athletic kind yes. of activities, you, uh, so I'm like all in on cycling, just yeah. bought like a huge TV for my basement for, to play the, the Zwift thing mm -hmm. on, in my basement, got a big TV in front of me now instead of my laptop. And you went to hot yoga last night. We did the hot yoga last night, my wife and I, and, uh, awesome. it, it actually, is one was of the it most, it was it definitely was really hot um actually when you enter in there it would just felt warm it didn't feel super extremely hot but this was also one of the easiest sessions it was called the rejuvenation session uh, so it wasn't the intense ones so the it's temperature gonna get down, worse. the temperature is down and the activity that you're doing is supposedly down too and my goodness I've done a lot of things that were physically active types of things in my life. Uh, uh, trained for a marathon, ran a marathon, uh, lift nice. weights and whatever might be in place, mm -hmm. several sports. This was right at the top of a challenging uh, one hour plus activity really? where it was just challenging your, your physical body. But then there's this kind of... Uh, people that have done yoga understand this. And I, I, this is my actual first time as a class. So Nicole, my yeah. wife has taught me and ran me through a series of moves. And that was great because I needed that in order to be able to even know what was actually happening. Um, and I was still 
lost half the time. I didn't know what, what I was supposed to do next. Uh, but anyway, it was so dang challenging as far as the different uh, different postures and different movements that you were supposed to be doing. And then the room temperature then starts accentuating how difficult things are. And you're just pouring. I mean, really pools, pools of, of sweat are coming down. Wow. And and you go basically through the beginning of a of a workout to the really high point, you know the 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 intense part of the workout, and then you cool off all in one session. Really puts you through the ringer, both like I said, physically, and then uh, there's like this spiritual component to it that I wasn't uh, expecting. So it's kind of a meditative state that you're doing some of the things. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. So today we went back and signed up for 30 days, baby. So nice. I'm paid up for 30 days. You're I'm going. In. Yeah, You're I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and 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 then see how it keeps going. It, it I highly recommend it to anybody and everybody to go do it and at least experience it one time because it is intense. That's awesome. So speaking of putting people through the ringer, yeah. Um, we so so I was playing Minecraft the other day, um, and Isaac was watching. I guess a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Um, downstairs and uh they were doing some sort of a hardcore you know a couple of video series on on doing hardcore mode and he's like so i don't think you could last like a day in hardcore mode dad <laughs> like and he did it all snotty like i'm like shut up kid and he was like it's like you brat are you kidding me do you even know who you're talking to here is basically it was a what challenge. I said. Right. Yeah. He totally threw the gauntlet down on me. He's like, I don't think you could last. So I'm like, really? Okay. Okay. So uh, not only have I lasted, but Mm -hmm. I'm crushing Minecraft Minecraft hardcore mode. And um, to make it even more fun, you and Steve Isaacs and I have started a Minecraft hardcore mode server. Yeah. Yeah. And we've started to play Minecraft Hardcore Mode. We played for about an hour a couple of days ago together. Yeah, and, people don't and understand what the hardcore there means. Too. Like, what, what, what does that mean? So there's regular Minecraft and survival mode. But when you well, die... So the, yeah, there's creative mode and there's survival, survival. mode. So we're and now survival. You die, yeah. you can come back. You you respawn, it's called. Yes. You come back to life. Yes. Uh, and But in this mode, different yeah yeah if you die you die you're done like you're there is no recovery it says game over like the old it's, days it is game over uh, so you have again. one life to live and um and you gotta kind of you know make it happen yeah um you know it's pretty easy to die in minecraft survival to be honest there are, yeah. there's things happening all so of the times. time that you like steve I'm going to throw him under the bus. I don't care. Uh, Steve Isaacs totally died. Yes, he um, In our first, in kind of like our first hour. In the first hour, Steve died. <laughs> he was. Love you, love you he, was, Steve. He, he was getting a little too uh, a confident right. in his abilities. And then hey, a creeper sneak, snuck up on him and boom, boom. Yeah. Like if you don't have any armor, which you don't, you won't no. if you play proper survival for. You won't have armor for at least a little while unless you get mm-hmm. super lucky with iron. Um, and and so like a creeper, if you don't see a creeper, if you're turned the other way and then you turn around and boom, a creeper is like right on you. Toast. You're dead. Like you're done. <laughs> and because they don't make any noise, you don't know that they're there until they're right on top of you. <laughs> and then, it, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, so uh, it's like you know, you know, hard hardcore mode is hardcore. Yes, it and is. So you have to you have to treat it a little bit more carefully. We're so, still alive, both of us. Yes. So oh, I won't die. I we're refuse. Continue. To die. See how long we can last. <laughs> I was so so the fun. The only super like I came really close. I came actually within a half a heart of dying. Ooh. Um. Uh. You know. So one of the things I didn't realize about Enderman was that if you look at them from even like very far away, Ooh, he it triggers them. It. Like there was a distance, like they was far. <laughs> and I looked at it because I was like, oh, there's an Enderman. And Isaac's like, turn away, turn away. He's screaming at me. And it's, and it just came right after me. 
<laughs> and so what I did was I backed myself into my house in the corner of my house so that yeah. it couldn't like get behind me or anything. And I just kept swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging. <laughs> and I eventually killed it with a half a heart left. Whoa. So Isaac was sitting right beside me and he was yeah. losing his mind because he totally thought I was cooked. He thought, and he thought was it was it. hysterical. <laughs> and then I survived because like, I'm a survivor. I'm good. <laughs> yeah yeah that so, so it fun. was pretty it's pretty fun and i i i'm having a blast in minecraft hardcore mode i i think it's exactly the challenge i was looking for and uh you know this kid this kid doesn't know he's talking to <laughs> he doesn't know what his dad is right i'm gonna sit <laughs> down a little so um so you know minecraft is definitely experiencing a resurgence big time i, I mean everyone is seeing it uh, the numbers are clearly showing it. Now, let's be clear. I think it's worth prefacing that Minecraft was never not like over the last five years. It's always still been the number one most played game in the world yes. by by a giant margin. There are games that have hype like Fortnite and Fortnite. Apex and, you know, what everything, anything else, Overwatch, whatever and they'll you'll see spikes in numbers when games come out like Destiny 2 or whatever yeah. the premacy of Minecraft was never even close to in doubt i think the average daily players for Minecraft is something like 30 million people a day that's insane it's that a crazy? giant number it's still going and it's now a it's a giant actually, number and it's, it's never up. not been a giant number yeah so that being said, the number is actually getting bigger again. It, it might have dipped down into like the low twenties mm. millions of people, <laughs> but it's like coming back again. And so Minecon was this week, mm. and um, the biggest news that came out of Minecon, at least in my mind, was uh, now there's lots of cool things happening with Minecraft. I love the shaders, uh, the new shaders update that's coming out. That's going to make your sky and your shadows. Um, more like advanced if you have like an NVIDIA card, which nice. I do. Uh, so it's going to look super pretty in, in your in your Minecraft worlds. I'm pumped about that because I have a little bit, bit of an aesthetic flair to me when I like to play. I like to design <laughs> nice things. <laughs> yeah, just as Steve. Steve hates it, in fact. Um, but um, Minecraft Earth. Um, mm. So we were wondering when the launch date was for this and it's in fact going to be in october Ooh. so uh early access for minecraft earth is coming in early october um i don't know exactly when and i think it's going to be kind of a progressive uh rollout which was similar to like pokemon go um so we'll see what when it hits the united states and when it hits canada um but this is this is the ar minecraft game where you're going to be able to build things right like in your backyard it's going to be rad yeah it's going to be a completely new take on it i'm, I'm super excited by it i hope that it does live up to its hype uh but these games are super popular you know i know a lot of people go like oh what happened to pokemon go it's still popular i mean all of these kind of games uh ingress for example a lot of people don't even have never even heard of this game super popular around the world it's not even just uh let's say the united states or north america it's around the world that people play this these games these augmented reality games and minecraft earth i mean it's the popularity of minecraft that you were just talking about plus people that like augmented reality games oh it's a good combo man it's gonna be awesome i'm pretty excited about it we'll we'll see but i mean if it lives up to even half of the hype and the demo and the way it's looked like when they've shown it off. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's going to be something else. Uh, it's going like, to get us out of our seats and out, out and about going and doing stuff where we're at different conferences. We're going to be out there building in Minecraft. Build like a, a Minecraft like shelter over top of our conference booth table Ooh. that people we'll do can it. like look yeah. at and come into. Well, that might be, that's a cool idea. That's we'll do that for sure. If you're listen, listen, guys, if you have a podcast and you're listening to this, I'm going to come after you. If you copy my idea, <laughs> don't even think about it. That's my idea. <laughs> All right. Um, so 
listen, um, Quizlet's had a bad day. Um, this is a little timely because it's literally happening. So this is the 30th of September. Um, and this happened today and it looks like it's ended today. Yes. Um, but we wanted to Thank talk goodness. about it today because um, because we promised we promised some airtime on this because, um, you know, we were pretty I was pretty angry this morning about it all. Um, so it looks like what happened, this is, there's, there was an issue between Gimkit and Quizlet that Gimkit was allowing people to import, um, Quizlet quizzes into Gimkit and it had, you know, there was some proprietary Quizlet data, um, specifically things like their logo and stuff like that, that was on Gimkit. Yeah. Um, that apparently allegedly was on there without Quizlet's permission, or at least there was no agreement in place. That's yeah. that's kind of Quizlet's position on this. And so Quizlet basically served them almost like a cease and desist. I know uh, this morning, and um, and that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so so like it was a it was a super bad day for Quizlet. Everyone, I think, from what I can tell, got on the phone and got it resolved. But, uh, you know, this would have been bad, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I I can't understand except for that they see Gimkit as a competition, why Quizlet would have done this. But in the end, it ended up uh, working you know. itself out. And if people don't know the story of Gimkit, he's, uh, Josh is actually in one of our episodes uh, and he's a high school kid who created this this game because he wanted a better Kahoot. He said, I, I think we can do better than this as far as a, a game. And he created GimKit. And it's so awesome, super fun. And his company is actually growing significantly. They've hired people now. It's not just him and uh, his teacher who were the first people who created the game. And they're just doing great they're still tiny, though. I mean, they, I think they have one employee or one or two. You know, they don't have mm-hmm. like a huge team or anything. And and they were using this, which is is a significant improvement to get the Quizlet sets and then be able to import them into into GimKit. That's a huge improvement instead mm-hmm. of having to type in uh, each one of the vocab words and definitions, for example. So. It ended up working itself out, though. So they had a conversation. People put pressure on on quizlet it looked like on twitter and yeah and, and quizlet did the right thing which is yeah. good and i love both I mean, of the things yeah everyone wins because listen the 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 real net of this if it had went through was that everyone was going to lose you know gimkit was going to lose quizlet had a pr nightmare today i'm sure and it's like you know and then the teachers and the students all lose out it just makes everyone worse and yes. so, you know, I don't know if if money changed hands or whatever, but um, it, it, it seems like it all worked itself out. And that's what was uh, the most important thing, because obviously this was about business. Um, this was about Gimkit growing and probably taking away some of Quizlet's, you know, money uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, subscriptions and memberships and whatever. Um, at least it. It seems it, it like seemed that. that and, it seemed yeah. like that was the thing. Yes. So, so everyone, everyone came out on top. Hopefully, and and everyone's happy. It seems. Uh, so that's a good conclusion. This is a really strange um, idea. Should we be seeking corporate sponsorships for our classroom? So, are are you talking about the 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 Tostitos science room? <laughs> yeah the tostito science room and the uh i'm trying to think of other good uh show the, title by the way yeah. <laughs> that was a great one um no what i was what i was uh someone had posted a, a something on twitter kind of related to this but not really i mean they were just basically saying i would be willing to take on a corporate sponsor in order to be able to fund uh a b or c whatever it was um and I right. was thinking, well, why don't we do this? And I know that there's some bad implications of this, but I, as a as a topic of discussion, it's really interesting because we already do this at uh, public schools, especially when it relates to 
like gymnasiums, football stadiums, even libraries, uh, and big buildings, basically, kind of like what you would maybe see at a university kind of thing where you would have a Tostitos Bowl, you know, whatever you seen might the be. size of those football stadiums in Texas? That's what I'm talking about. And it already exists currently. So why wouldn't we be able to then say, you know what, I want to brand my classroom and and brand it with, for example, and I'm going to throw out a company like Starbucks. And Starbucks would help to fund just me in general. And I would put up some Starbucks logos around my classroom and say funded by Starbucks, right? And people would go probably ballistic about something like, you know, something like that. But uh-huh. then you go, you think? This, is, this is our world though, right? Yeah. And part of the reason why you would do that is the exact same reason why people are are going out to Twitter and, and other social media for clear the Lisp uh, type of of agenda where you're trying to basically find some classroom supplies or those things that you need. And I had a perfect example of someone that already did this and her name is Kayla Dornfield. Uh, And Kayla was the 2019 North Dakota educator of the year. But before this, she, she was uh, like famous. If you're going to be called famous in quotes, she was in a New York times article that was written about her classroom because she basically sought out corporate sponsorship and was one of the first people to have amazing flexible learning spaces, right? Those ones like we see, remember we were talking about the the envy between classes and she has this beautiful classroom and continues still to this day. But the way that she funded that classroom was through corporate sponsorship. So then there was this clouding of the lines between should we be allowing corporations and, and, and allowing entire classrooms? Well, in this school, they allowed her to do that. She actually has become the flexible seating type of guru who speaks on this topic all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting discussion to at least be had if we're, if we're never going to really fully reach the ability to fully fund education, public education, then maybe we should be seeking out corporate sponsorships and and branding our our classrooms with tostitos or walmart or whatever else might be i could see the value of the the (laughs) walmart (laughs) student lounge now um i could see the value so i've been trying to think of like an actual realistic case like that could be used that I could make with a straight face and and say, you know, this I've, seems. I've, I've, to got, make a re- sense I've got a to real me. case for you. For example, I work in in Sauk Rapids, uh, Minnesota. There's a bunch of local businesses that are in Sauk Rapids. If you had a local business sponsor that would help you to basically make, for example, our media center space, our library, you know, in our high school, uh, more modern. Let's say call it with better furniture. Uh, uh, let's call it like whatever it took to be able to do the paint, maybe new carpet, et cetera, whatever it might be the aesthetics. And then you branded it with their name somewhere it might be. That actually was a, a, an idea that we've at least thrown around to go to a local business and be able to take that. You know what I mean? Promote mm-hmm. their business, but then also mm-hmm. be able to go ahead and say, you know, your your dollars are helping this this. Uh, this become a reality and it happens all the time with uh people donors helping out to build sports arenas and sports stadiums and things sure why not help it help it in in an educational type of setting so that that would be my closest example though my wife if she ever listens to this will punch me in the arm because she is so against this whole concept (laughs) of having corporations involved in this entire thing so i so the use case that I came that I've kind of come up with is a company like Epic Games, for example. So Epic Games makes yeah. Fortnite, and more specifically in this scenario, I'm thinking of Epic Games makes Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine is a video game engine. It's one of the best video game engines in the world. It's also very um, user friendly in the sense that you can um, learn Unreal Engine, you know, with dedication and you know um, resilience. You can learn Unreal Engine quite a bit easier than a lot of other engines. So, if Unreal 
or sorry, Epic Games was to, for example, sponsor uh, a computer science class. Let's say Stephen Rayo, our friend yeah. Stephen Rayo, uh, is a computer science teacher. Um, Unreal uh, Engine sponsors, uh, Epic Games sponsors Stephen Rayo's class. Stephen uses, uh, they, they bring in a whole bunch of cool new computers. Steve gets a whole bunch of new computers, um, you know, gets access to a whole bunch of cool Fortnite curriculum or whatever that's coming out and hint uh and sounds like a good deal. it sounds like a good deal and gets um gets access to kind of curriculum related to unreal engine and uses unreal engine to teach programming and game design that locks in students um it, it it's it's student facing and it it might sound you know this is why i'm even still having a hard time you know stomaching it because really it's like a prolonged commercial you're you're advertising fortnite to kids and you're advertising unreal engine to kids as the gateway towards you know learning to program and the, you know why there are worse things in the world than yeah, than gearing really a kid up to do game design yeah. and programming using unreal engine right there exactly. there are a lot worse ways that we lure kids into products than this but but certainly that is a use case that i could if i if someone told me that epic games was sponsoring steve's class steven rail's class for you know, going to give them 25 grand to, to, you know, have a top of the line computer science classroom. I'd say that makes sense to me. That's a cool deal. I would probably have taken that deal if I had the opportunity <laughs> to take that deal. It's uh, hard not to take those deals. I mean, if your school would yeah. approve it, it's yeah. hard to go like, well, you know, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure well, they're cracking on. They're cracking down on this stuff too, though, right? Like since the yeah. clear the list stuff, a lot of boards and districts developed policies, right, around um, not accepting outside funds. Like some some districts didn't have were kind of caught off guard with this clear the list stuff, and you know all of a sudden formed um, policies that that weren't in place before about you know you can't you can't get donations for your classroom from you know twitter yeah um so you know it makes stuff like getting a sponsorship a little complicated too right definitely definitely it's an interesting idea and i want to hear what other people and maybe other people can tell us about maybe you already have some sort of deal with a local business or a specific corporation maybe even tostitos um <laughs> and you already have that in place and let us know like what you think or if you think that this is the most horrible idea ever let us know why because uh, it's a, i think it's a discussion that needs to be had it's an interesting topic for sure so the last thing on our on our uh, list here that was super interesting to come across our desks this week uh, was something we talk about all the time, all the time. Like, I mean, if you, we are definitely the most political education podcast, <laughs> and, I like you know, so. so we we talk about you know this idea of free college tuition, um, and and how you know how important. Uh, this could be how game changing this could be for society and um you know we've seen some states get on board like new york state and tennessee um that are offering you know within their state you know some subsidies and and stuff like that um but uh, i guess what's happening now in new mexico um is that they're they're what they're promising four years of tuition Yes. Uh, to, to any student, is that right? Any student that's interested in attending any uh, public university and the tuition will be free for those four years. And it's huge. It's not a specific level of income. It's anybody that wants to attend. And that may scare people, you know, whatever left, right, where they might be like, this is not that good of an idea. But the concept that we have uh, a paywall you know we talk about video games all the time we have a paywall to further our education in the united sure states do. yeah and it and that paywall is a drastic extreme line um, and many of us uh, borrow money to 
get past that paywall and really be able to start our careers and, and be able to get going. And I actually attended school in New Mexico. So I, I went to school in Roswell, New Mexico in high school and I graduated from there and I'm looking at this and going, wow, that would have been so game changing for my life if I would have been able to attend uh, a, a university like New Mexico State and Las Cruces or the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque um, and be able to go in and seek out a degree and still be able to teach Spanish. And I wouldn't be burdened with this ginormous debt that I have right now, you know, now that I'm 23 years later. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah. 20, it's actually more than that because I'm 43 yeah. now. So it's 25 years later. It's, is when I started accumulating debt at age 18 uh, to be able to go uh, to school. Yeah. And then now 25 years later, of course, you know, all the interest builds up. You have this ginormous debt and that's become who a part of who I am. I'm carrying that, you know, that debt with me no matter what. Um, and it's so it's keep people in the state too. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Because I actually went to school in Colorado. I figured, eh. Why go it's back? Expensive yeah, to come, you know. Thing I could just go to, to Colorado, and I and I went to school in Colorado. Keep people within the state. When you attend a school in a state, probably the retention level of keeping those people within the state to work in in that state to yes. bring those industries up is probably really high too. It's huge. So it's all it all pays off for itself in the end. And I, I know that there's people that have arguments against it and have some of them that I've heard are our kids aren't ready or some kids are, you know, they're irresponsible, et cetera. I was super irresponsible at age 18, hmm. at age 19 and 20 and 21. I mean, all of those ages. But that doesn't mean that we're going to restrict people from not being able to attend it's a university. a terrible argument for restricting yeah. kids from access to education. I, I totally Thanks. agree. It's like, yeah, you know, we've got to have something attached to that. You know, got to attach some kind of big money figure so that they could know what it feels like. It's like uh, I, skin I, in the I game. Bought, skin yeah, in I, the game is the stupidest red herring for this that I've ever seen. Like it is yeah. the like. Do we really want to attach a like a metaphor like that to yeah. the future of our children? Yeah. Come on, give your heads a shake. Skin in the game is the <laughs> stupidest thing that I've ever heard. It's and such a terrible thing- argument. You don't even though, Mike, uh, you know, we don't even realize by we, I mean, at 18 or 19 years old, you don't even realize that borrowing this money is going to result in X, It you know, later on. It doesn't even matter if you get it explained, if you have the ability to borrow it because you're like, well, I want to attend university. I'm going to borrow this money. And they're like, yeah, you do understand. You're going to have to pay this back. We're like, yeah, I know. Hopefully, you know, this leads somewhere, yeah, a long thing. And right. you borrow the money. It's not like it, it created a kind of sense of urgency. Yeah, exactly right. When we come back, the dreaded red pen, uh, it's always seemed on the verge of going away for good. Uh, but like a bad cold that I still have three months later, it seems to keep sticking around. Uh, we'll talk about whether or not we think it's time to ban the red pen for good and why. So stay with us. On Education is brought to you by Pick My Kid. Pick My Kid is an automated dismissal solution that cuts car line time in half. It engages parents with the parent app by being able to change dismissal routines right from their phone. Friends, that means no more front office calls. Pick My Kid is an affordable solution for schools and removes dismissal stress for parents, teachers, and staff. For more information, visit PickMyKid.com. That's P-I-K-MyKid.com. On Education is also brought to you by Taylor Ed. As teachers, meeting the needs of each and every student in today's classroom is time-consuming, complicated, and just overwhelming. Taylor Ed makes differentiation in math effortless through curated resources, smart student grouping, and student insights beyond proficiency. Sign up today using the promo code ONEDUCATION and receive three months free on us. Visit taylor-ed.com for more information. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. The red pen, I guess, is synonymous with marking up essays. I'm sure I've had uh, my fair share of essays scratched up with a red pen and giant lines scribbled through them. Um, There's always talk, I guess, on 
uh, on the Twitters uh, about this sort of thing about, you know, whether this is an actual proper kind of way to, to do assessment. Um, Glenn, do you think it's time to ban the red pen? And if you do, which I think you probably do, why? For sure, we need to just ban it as, as it says here, Trevor McKenzie uh, on Twitter wrote, just thinking more and more that the red pen should be banned as an assessment tool. And I totally agree. And it, it, we're, we're so far in, into the 2019 and we're still using this tool that was used to be able to mark up, like you said, uh, any types of papers or in this case assessments to show a student that yes, they got something wrong. And there's been so, definitely research done that shows that th- that type of markup just creates this really negative negative connotation for the students to be able to see their their papers. And it really, the only thing that they notice on these assessments are those red marks. So you're not even looking for yeah. the learning part for a student. You, you ignore the learning. All you're looking for is like, you see all the red and whatever was, and then you see that red grade up at the top. And that's all you learn. You, I mean, that's all you're getting from it. You're not really looking to see uh, what answers uh, you missed or whatever might be or what learning can still take place. It's kind of a final boom. Here it is. <laughs> it's done. This was your learning and this is your final grade. And so it just, it, it kind of, it symbolizes that kind of a finale, uh, definitely a summative assessment kind of a thing where you don't get to continue your learning. And that sucks uh, as far as for a student. And, and, I think many students then just fixate on those items and then they stop looking at anything else. And how could you blame them? And, and uh, again, it's not that hard to shift that and then say, don't use that color number one, but then the way that you, that you assess, let it be a growing experience as you talk about too, Mike, all the time about, we all are making mistakes all the time and we should be taking risks at school. We shouldn't like say it's a one time and, and done type of activity. And if you have these types of assessment tools, though, we are not demonstrating that as teachers. We may say, hey, in this class, you're allowed to take risks. But if you use that as a as the way you mark up things, it's a yeah. it's actually a finale. It's like, nope, this is it. Nothing happens past this point, which is just not not a good way. So it's not just the color, even though the color is problematic in and of itself. Yeah. But the 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 notion of marking aggressively marking up um, written work, for example, um, is problematic. Like so it's it's the metaphor of a red pen and then also the color of a red pen Mm -hmm. itself. Those there's two problems here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't, I, I, my, I guess my thing is I don't have a lot of experience with this as an educator. Um, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of like written work cause I was teaching computer science. Um, but I understand the idea of it being demotivational. Certainly, especially if you're like, well, just like swaths of red pen all over someone's <laughs> someone's assignment. I mean, that's pretty vicious. Yeah, and I would imagine that for a struggling writer, mm-hmm. um, especially one that's kind of a little bit sensitive with their struggles to write and is aware of it and conscious of it thinking like that kind of grade five or six student right that's kind of that age where they would they would probably they could potentially take offense yeah having you know just this red pen all over the place on their on their work and i think that the the best takeaway from this is what you said before which there are probably better ways to do this overall you know, that there are there are more meaningful interactions we could have with our students yeah. to assess, you know, what they're doing instead of marking it up on a paper um, and then handing it back to them, you know, where you can have conversations and engage in discussion and um, give 
verbal feedback for example yeah, uh, work with them and at the same time even like being a google doc side by side or something like that there are i think that there are lots of really interesting opportunities uh, when you start putting meaningful thought into what else you might be able to do instead of you know slashing a red pen all across the page so um hopefully people just spend a little bit of time thinking about you know what they're what they're doing there and and how to do it and whether you know uh writing up someone's document is the best way to move forward um when we come back we have a great guest we'll be joined by adam welcome so stay with us on education is brought to you by fresh grade FreshGrade have always been known as digital portfolio innovators, but FreshGrade Next is the all-new learning network made for modern teachers and tech-savvy students with amazing new student-driven learning journals. Students can upload their own content and conduct ongoing self-reflection to create their own record of learning progress. Integrated, simple, and powerful. To learn more about FreshGrade Next and sign up for your free account, visit freshgrade.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest today is a speaker, teacher, and the author of three books, Run Like a Pirate, Kids Deserve It, and Empower Our Girls. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Welcome. Welcome, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Before we get started, maybe give us kind of the Adam Welcome 101. Uh, We'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your background, what what you uh how you got into education but what's led you also to your pathway to joining us on the podcast today my dad was a second grade teacher for 35 years in the uh in the bay area some pretty tough schools and uh, i just kind of grew up in education and uh i snowboarded a lot in college didn't go to class too much and um <laughs> graduated and didn't know what I wanted to do and had a couple of false starts and at 23 years old decided to get my credential and just got into teaching and uh then I got into administration because my first principal was a nice guy but he didn't do anything and I always felt that our school could be so much better and you can talk about something and you can complain about it or you can try to be the solution. And I went and got my admin credential and told myself, you know what, I'm going to try to do it better. And then I actually went back to where I went to school and I was the principal at the school where I went to school. Wow. Yeah. And nice. um, after a couple of years, I almost left education because I was so frustrated with the ecosystem of education and the red tape and the politicians and the bureaucracy and the, no, you can't do that because we've always done it this way. So we got to keep doing it this way because that's the way we've always freaking done it. And my wife sat me down. This was about 10 years ago. And she said, honey, what can you do to stay in education? And I was like, well, you know, there's this thing called Twitter and I've been on, but I've been kind of a stalker and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to go back. I'm going to kind of see what I can do. And that was the turning point for me 10 years ago. I, I had a blog and I had been blogging and I just turned up the heat and I just spent hours on Twitter, connecting, building, learning, sharing. And, uh, that really was what saved my career. And, um, after I was a principal, I went off to be a, a director of innovation for a large school district 50 schools, 35,000 students, and basically coolest job in the world. I just did whatever I wanted all day. Um, And I had a team of teachers and we just did, you know, we did professional development, coding, robotics, classroom design, you name it, we did it. And um, in that time, I, Todd Nestloni and I met over over Twitter, obviously, because Twitter, Twitter is like the match.com for educators. It's where you just kind of meet people and then you see if you like people and then you take the conversation off of Twitter offline. And, um, yeah, we wrote kids deserve it. And, um, then two years ago, my, my speaking just like absolutely was taken off and on, on a tear and a lot of things, you know, doors open and, uh, I'm, per, I'm somebody that walks through open doors yeah. and the door can be open, but you got to walk through and uh, I just kept walking. So I left my district job and I've just been doing this full time for the last two years, 
about 65, 70 speaking events a year and still writing and consulting and leadership coaching and uh, have my, my own podcast. And this is the third podcast I've been interviewed on in the last week. So wow. uh, I get the podcast love and um, I actually don't even really like to call myself a speaker. I still feel that I'm a teacher because if I can teach the people that I'm speaking to, that's really going to change them. I don't like the motivational and the inspirational because in November or February, and if you heard me in August, are you really still thinking about me if I just motivated you? Probably not. But if I can teach you and change your mindset to in turn change your classroom and your practices, or if you're a leader to change how you think about your entire school or your entire district, to me, that's a job well done. So I think of myself as a teacher when I go and travel the country and uh, and uh, and speak with ed tech conferences or school districts or uh, leadership groups. So that's kind of where uh, where I am sitting right now in 2019. And uh, I live just outside San Francisco and the most expensive place to live in the entire country, probably. And uh, I coach my kids' soccer teams. And you know, I'm I'm a dad. I just you know just. Uh, living my life. So that's kind of the Adam welcome cliff notes version since you asked. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Adam, in my current role, I have the privilege of also working with teachers as an instructional coach. And you recently posted a video about making mistakes. And mm-hmm. in the video you say, the areas in my life where I'm not making any mistakes, I'm not trying anything new. Can you expand upon that and, and share how you would apply this to teaching? So I have a lot of random thoughts at four in the morning when I'm running the streets of my hometown. And um, before I answer that question, Glenn, I like to think of myself as the educator that talks about things that most people don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Or the person that brings up something that other people go, ooh, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that because it may be controversial or I might hurt people's feelings or whatever. I'm like, let's talk about it because that's how we get better if it's mistakes or if it's egos or if, if it's whatever it is. And I think that's true. I mean, when I was – if everything is is soft serve, ice cream, and unicorns, we're not getting better because that means we're doing the same old thing that we've been doing for 25 years, you know, like teach for 25 years. Just don't teach the same year 25 times. Like you gotta, you gotta be different. You gotta think different. Our kids are different. It's a new economy with new jobs. We can't expect our kids when they leave school to be problem solvers and to be creative and to edit and do everything else. If we don't give them the opportunities to do that in school and how do we let kids do that? Well, we model for that. We model for them. I mean, something that I'm doing right now is, I'm, I, I do video and stuff and I'm, I'm trying to make better video content and I make a lot of mistakes. I was editing a video today and I was like, this sucks. How do I make it better? And I'm going on YouTube, but I'm, when you make mistakes, that's when you go find resources to learn from. And when I was a principal, I always wanted to be the unprincipal. I wanted to do it how nobody had ever done it because I knew it had to be done differently. Because our grandparents want their principal back because leadership has to be different and the classroom has to look different. So I would say pick one lesson. Pick one lesson. Don't pick an entire subject matter. Don't redesign your entire classroom. Pick one lesson that you've been doing for a long time. Or pick a lesson that is your hardest lesson to teach. Yeah. Where do you have to do the most review? Where do the kids do the worst on the on the test? That means hey, that is ripe for opportunity and innovation. And also, don't think that you know everything because I'm going to tell you what, you don't. The kids know a lot. The smartest person in your classroom is the entire classroom because if they have a Chromebook and an iPad with an internet connection, we have everybody has access to the same information. Information mm-hmm. is commoditized. It's what you do with that information. So pick that one lesson or pick that one area of your classroom and just try something new. Because if you're a secondary teacher, and what you tried second period doesn't work do you know what you do for third period you just change it a little bit fourth period you just change it a little bit elementary school teacher you just change it after recess or after lunch most things never get done because they don't get started people don't start with a change 
and then they don't make the mistakes that they learn from. But then also look around at your classroom. We do too much to kids. We need to do more with kids. Mm, hey, class, point. we're learning about the Ottoman Empire. You know what? To keep it real, I don't like teaching about the Ottoman Empire because it's kind of boring. How do you think we can make it a little bit more exciting? Here are the tools at our disposal that we can learn from. We got some Chromebooks. We got some iPads. We got some robots. We got some cardboard. You know what? Let's build a 3D version of cardboard of the Ottoman Empire. And then we can get a robot and we can code the Ottoman Empire. We can learn that way. You, Mike, go get an iPad, videotape the whole thing. We can make a YouTube video about this. Kids are going to be like, what's up? Let's learn about the Ottoman Empire. Not just reading it out of a textbook said no kid ever. Or here's another worksheet with a different font about the Ottoman Empire said no kid ever. That's how you do it. The biggest thing is you got to get over yourself. You got to get over what you don't know. You got to get over what you're uncomfortable with. You got to get over the fact that you will make mistakes. You got to get over the fact that your kids may know more about you than some of these things. And that's totally okay. And if you can't get over that, you got a big problem then you will not move forward and you will not make change. And you're going to be stuck in the same thing, teaching the same thing 20 times for 20 years, the same old way. And your kids will not be ready for the world that they live in. Not the world that we grew up in. The world that they are growing up in is completely different. 100%. 100%. So I've been taking some pretty serious steps lately to improve my health. Um, I decided to quit drinking last week uh dumped everything uh i'm at the longest i've been without a drink uh today i think it's nine days today uh that i've been without a drink in 15 years um and i'm exercising a ton now uh virtually every day um and sometimes twice a day a lot of what uh pushed me to to go after this and to really stop and you've actually kind of mentioned this already and i i actually mention it when i when i do speaking as well as is the difference between talking about doing things and then actually doing them mm-hmm. um and there's a huge difference between those two things and and we can talk all day but at some point you know if you actually want to do them you'll do them so i talk a lot about losing weight but i didn't actually want to um, and so I started to, you know, kind of put my money where my mouth was a little bit. Um, and part of the inspiration was seeing folks like you and there's a couple other folks that share um, kind of their exercise on Twitter. And, and and I started to think, you know, this is a critical aspect of not just, you know, life and being healthy and and happy. But I think it, you know, of course, it has a huge impact on your ability to do your job, to be an effective educator, to mm-hmm. be an effective father and a, an effective, you know, person. Um, of course, your health is related to your life as a teacher, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so you share this stuff on Twitter, you, you share your physical activity and I've been starting to do that too. Um, because I, I, and I'm curious, I want to ask you about that specifically. Um, is there intentionality behind, you know, the reasons for you sharing, um, your, your physical activity on Twitter? I find for me, it helped me remain accountable. Uh, people like I was literally putting myself out there, um, you know, and I actually had someone just a couple weeks ago, though. I saw you didn't exercise today. Mike. Ah, gotcha. And, and right. And I was like, that was exactly what I wanted, though. That mm-hmm. was exactly what I wanted. Um, and so I got people DMing me when I when they saw that I hadn't exercised. I suspect the reason why um, you do stuff like that is possibly to motivate others as well like like is there an intentionality between uh you know the exercise and the sharing of it that that you think is important yeah well one of my books i wrote is called run like a pirate and uh it's a book about running but it's not about running and mike if you don't have a copy dm me your uh your uh, address and i'll send you a copy um and before i wrote that i wrote that book because I, i ran 13 marathons in one year and 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 a 24-hour race and i wanted to document um and i wanted to share because i can't tell you how many people have read that book and then message me and say they lost 60 pounds or 100 pounds and i think 
if people can see me run a marathon or run a hundred miles, which I've done, like you can run a mile, you know, and, yeah. and a mile's great. And people tell me, ah, I only run a mile. I'm like, no, don't no, take out, take out the only, I yeah. ran a mile mm. because running a mile or walking a mile is better than not doing anything. It's better than sitting, sitting on the, sitting on the couch and just, you know, doing nothing. And I've always been an athlete and I've always really tried to take care of myself. I've been a vegetarian for like 12 years and I've been a vegan for three years. And I actually too just stopped drinking. I turned 40 in July and I told my wife, I'm not going to drink this year. And I haven't had a drink since July 5th. And, you know, I, I feel great. And my dad, who was the teacher, was dead at 62 years old. He died of cancer. Wow. And I, I want to see my grandkids grow up, you know, and I, I feel better when I eat, when I eat well, and I feel better when I, when I exercise. And I also, it's not just about me, you know, I, I do put myself out there. And um, even if one person got something from it, to me, that's a win. Even if Mike is the only person that goes like, dang, well, Adam's doing that. Like, come on. Like, you know, he looks happy and healthy and eating great. And like, he shares, shares his story. Like I can do that too. And, um, people, it's like what I talked about when I first got on Twitter, it's a little, little nervily when you first put that little first tweet out there, that first picture, but people want to connect. People want to not even be inspired. People want to know that there's other people out there thinking about them. You know, I'm on Pacific standard time and I'm up at four o'clock and you're in central time. Well, it's six o'clock and we're running at the same time. And that's like, dang, yeah, somebody else is doing what I'm doing and I'm starting the day off right. And, um, you know, I don't do it to brag. And if people think that, then they just don't know me and they don't, they don't have the, the right, you know, mentality with it. I do it to share. And then I meet people in person and they tell me their stories or I'll be in Missouri and somebody's like, hey, you're speaking here tomorrow. Do you want to meet at five o'clock and go for a run? Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many random educators that I've never met meet me at my hotel and we go run five miles, seven miles, eight miles. And they're thanking me for running with them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. Thank you for meeting me to go for a run. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what? There's a lot of, there's a lot of garbage going on in our world and there always is, and there always will be. And when you can make those special connections and you can spend yeah. some, some quality time with somebody, that is what makes our world a better place. hundred percent. So Adam, in your book, kids deserve it. There's a quote that is, it's shared often on Twitter. Uh, kids deserve an excited adult. Mm -hmm. They need someone who's ready to explore and laugh with them all day. They want and need us to come to school every day, ready to surround them with love, encouragement, and hope. Now, this is way easier said than done, especially like you were just talking about, not just at the beginning of the school year when you have, you know, you, you have that motivation, you have the thing, but uh, in the doldrums of February, what are ways that we as educators can be our best selves every single day? So I think first and foremost, we have to pace ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, teaching is like a, it's like, it's like a marathon. It I've is. run 29 marathons and I can't sprint the first five miles, which is, you know, <laughs> August, September, October, November, because by mm -hmm. December, January, February, I'm burned out. I can't finish. I'm puking on the side of the road and you both know what I'm talking about. So yes. the first thing is you got to take care of yourself and you got to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself. And then the second thing is I tell people when I speak, you get to be a teacher. You don't have to be a teacher. Mm. And if you don't like kids or you don't like kids anymore, find something else to do. Love it. Sure. And I think that goes to something that people go like, whoa, I can't believe he just kind of said that. But it's, it's true though. Like you can go work in a loan office processing paperwork in a cubicle with no windows. You get to come hang out with kids. And I had students that used to call me Mr. Happy because I was always happy because you know what? Like I get to be a teacher and I get to be a principal. And at the time that you don't like it anymore, like, you know what, just do yourself a favor, but more importantly, do your students a favor. Um, and go find something else to do. And I just look at it like, what other choice do you have? What other choice do you have? I mean, an NFL coach can't come into the locker room and be like, hey, yo, all right, yeah, we're playing today, blah, 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 <laughs> like a multi-billion dollar organization. You can't do that. Like, we ha you have to come ready. And I get that, like, people's 
people's experiences are different and they might be in a school that's toxic or their principal is not supportive, then go work at a different school. There's more than just one school. Yeah. You know, like if you don't like the hospital that you're at, go find another hospital. If you don't <laughs> like your car, then why'd you buy a Hyundai? Go buy a Chevy. Like it's all just, it's, it's in our hands. And I, I know I'm trivial, you know, making it trivial a little bit. It's not always as easy said than done because you could be living in some small rural town and your family's there. I, I, get, I get it. But I think more often than not, we don't, we just think and we don't act. And that goes back to Mike, you're, what you said is like, stop talking and start doing. And yeah. I just, I've been saying that for years, like stop complaining about your principal. Like I did, I went and got my admin credential and I wasn't a perfect principal. Obviously nobody is, but, or at least try to improve. Complaining is not a strategy. Mm. So take that out of your lexicon, take it out of a habit, like unless be results oriented in your approach. And I, I think that just covers so many things personally and professionally. Uh, gotta pace yourself gotta pace yourself so key 100 percent. so i am involved in um a few organizations up here in in southern ontario that are working hard in the like the coding and robotics space mm-hmm. uh, on encouraging and empowering girls specifically to feel comfortable and safe uh doing that and i was um you know i was a computer science teacher before i i left the classroom last year uh, and always, always tried to make sure that the girls in my class specifically uh, felt confident and capable, mostly because they actually were. They were, in fact, um, some of my like over the over the years that I, I taught computer science, the, the girls in my class were, were incredible, inspiring, even um, uh, absolutely amazing. I, I suspect that this you know, that we have a similar idea and you wrote, you know, empower our girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suspect that the driving force was, was similar. This idea of, of encouraging and empowering girls to feel comfortable in space. Uh, it's safe doing, doing, uh, doing some of these things, especially things that might be outside of their, their perceived norm. I suppose I'll say with, with, with computer science being a, a really good example of that. Yeah, uh, that book came about because my first year as a principal, this is a very fortuitous question, I taught a coding class. And this was before code.org even came out. And I talk about it in the book. I had 20 kids sign up and I had one girl, one girl sign up and it hit me in the face. And I was like, what is going on? Why is there only one girl sign up? And I recruited, I recruited other girls. I said, I want you and I want you and I call parents. And um, this is not a new topic. You know, women CEOs are underrepresented. Women in politics, um, startups, everything. And uh, Lynn Colon, who is a first generation um, citizen of this country, she's from Puerto Rico. Uh, We wrote that book together. And she she was expected to be a housekeeper when she grew up. Her family in Puerto Rico said, when you grow up, Lynn, you're going to be a housekeeper. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to actually have, I'm going to have a different, a different path for myself. And um, we just want to start, start the conversation. And we, the conversation has been started that it's different and it needs to be different. And we need to be intentional about it. It can't just be like, well, nobody signed up. Like, Mm -hmm. no, not, not, not okay. Not okay. Um, We talk about diversity and equity. Well, how about our girls? And um, you know, and everybody deserves it. Everybody does. But we just really wanted to put a magnifying glass um, on this because the data is out there. Um, this is not a research-based book. It's a, it's a book, and we got other educators from around the country to uh, submit their story and their experience to just go, you know what, think about it a little bit differently and talk yeah. amongst your people. And that's why they have girls that code and black girls that code. I mean, there's a reason these programs exist. It's because there's a, there's a gap with girls, not just in technology, but in leadership opportunities. Um, A great book is Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. She's the COO of Facebook. I think any educator should read that book. Anybody with a daughter needs to read that book. Um, It's not a new book. I've read it probably five times and gifted it probably 10 times. And she talks about her her own journey with being a powerful woman in leadership and what that, uh, what that looks like and the struggle that it's been. And it, um, we need to continue this conversation for sure. 
So Adam, if our audience members want to be able to connect with you online or be able to find your books or maybe even invite you to come speak, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. How do they reach you? I'm all over the internet, but uh, Mr. Adam, welcome on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, mradamwelcome.com. And uh, I got a YouTube channel and I put up content basically every single day on multiple different platforms. Um, and uh, yeah, I do speak. So if, you're a, if your organization, your conference, your district is looking for uh, somebody to work with, I do leadership deep dives and work with leadership leaders and make them feel really uncomfortable, um, all from a growth standpoint. Um, you know, the cool thing about being a speaker is like, I get to leave at three o'clock. So I say things that your people may say a little bit differently or with more hesitation just because I'm from out of town and I have a different level of credibility. Um, but all obviously with, uh, with positive intentions in mind. So, uh, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. I've had a podcast, uh, off and on for the last four years. And I know that, um, scheduling guests connecting and the pre and the post and, uh, all that stuff. I think more people need podcast. Podcasting is the new blogging. 10, 15 yeah. years ago, everybody had a blog. In 2019, it is so easy to record content. You can do it in a complex way. You can do it in a simple way. If you're a teacher, you're listening to this, have a, start a podcast for your classroom. Start a podcast yeah. with book reviews. If you're a librarian, you need a podcast. If you're a principal or you're a superintendent, you need a weekly podcast. Also record the podcast. So you put that content on YouTube and Facebook and wherever people listen to podcasts. It is 2019. We have to be doing things differently. We can't be doing things the way we've always done them. Because if we do, Blockbuster, Toys R Us, we can't go out of business, but we can become obsolete for our students and we cannot allow that to happen. That's it. That's exactly it. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for joining us. This has been amazing. Uh, Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me, man. Keep rolling, guys. Keep rolling. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.